This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. Welcome to the year-end Law Bites podcast. I'm Michael Geist, and this episode offers the chance for a quick look back at 2022 and to offer some thoughts about what lies ahead for digital policy in Canada in 2023. Let me start by once again thanking Gerardo LeBron Leboy, who continues to provide exceptional production assistance, as well as the amazing array of guests that joined me on the podcast this past year. This is the 38th episode of the year, and guests have ranged from MPs such as Anthony Housefather, Information Commissioner of Canada, Carolyn Maynard, innovative entrepreneurs such as Jeff Elgie, Farhan Mohammed, Morgan Fortier, and Darcy Michael, as well as an incredible array of leading academics, lawyers, and experts. Now, given the intensity this past year around committee hearings, this year also featured multiple episodes that took listeners into the committee room with clips from the discussion and the debates. I'm grateful to all for taking the time to share their perspectives and knowledge on an equally wide range of issues. Internet regulation, privacy, security, copyright, digital tax, freedom of expression, crypto regulation, internet services and platform regulation, and much more were all part of the discussion in the past year. Now, last year's episode featured five predictions for 2022, and I thought I'd quickly revisit them, I guess in part because I think I did pretty well. The five were first, a shift away from ICED or Industry Canada. Secondly, the role of Canadian heritage. Third, the role that budget implementation bills would play. The importance of regulators as part of this space and the likelihood of new trade tensions with the United States. Seems to me that each of these came to fruition over the past year to varying degrees. Certainly, I said did not play as significant a role in digital policy as one might otherwise expect. They were there when it came to the Rogers outage and wireless related services. But on some of the core Internet regulation issues, they largely ceded the terrain to Canadian heritage, which did indeed play a very significant role. They led the way, obviously, on the two big bills of the year, Bill C-11, the broadcasting reform bill, the Online Streaming Act, as well as Bill C-18, the Online News Act. They also conducted more consultation on online harms or online safety, and really It was Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez that was driving much of the discussion and debate around Internet regulation in Canada over the past year. The budget implementation bill did, in fact, play a pretty important role when it came to digital policy, as buried within that bill, introduced last spring, was copyright term extension, which passed and will take effect on December 30th of this year, meaning that for a generation of works, they will not enter into the public domain. We're literally talking about a 20-year period of no new works entering into the public domain. We saw the importance, certainly, of regulators, the Competition Bureau and Tribunal when it came to the Roger Shaw merger. Ian Scott at the CRTC played a very prominent role when it came to particularly 
Bill C-11, appearing four times before either the Heritage Committee at the House or the Senate Transport and Communications Committee that took a look at C-11 in the fall. The nomination of a new privacy commissioner, Philippe Dufresne, who I think will make a mark on privacy in the coming year. And so there was a, a unquestionably significant role for the regulatory side. I think it's fair to say that the U.S. trade tensions didn't really percolate to a significant extent, at least on digital policy, at least in the first half of the year. But in the second half, we began to see how this is likely to emerge as something frankly far more significant. Uh, it was raised at more than one meeting between the USTR and Canadian ministers, and their list of concerns began to gradually expand. Started with digital tax, then expanded into Bill C-11, and then expanded further towards the end of the year with Bill C-18. Now, there were obviously a few events that few could have predicted, the convoy in Ottawa and the invocation of the Emergencies Act, and the Rogers outage in the summer among them. The role of the Senate Transport and Communications Committee, TRCM, also, I think, stands out for the essential role that it played in the review of Bill C-11 highlighting the value that a true policy review can play in crafting legislation. I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention the Latham Roof affair and revelations of funding and anti-Semite as part of Canadian Heritage's anti-hate program. Though not strictly a digital policy issue, the concerns with the rise of anti-Semitism and the troubling response to revelations around funding Maroof from silence from many MPs and government ministers to later implausible claims that they were simply unaware of what was taking place for weeks on end, I think will resonate long after the day-by-day -day policy debates around digital issues are forgotten. So that was 2022. What to look for in 2023? Once again, I'll use this podcast to provide five themes, starting with a repeat from 2022 the role of Canadian heritage when it comes to digital policy. So where are we at with the different bills that are the responsibility of heritage? Well, Bill C-11 is likely to head back to the House of Commons fairly early in 2023. We left off with third reading still to come at the Senate with a bill that has been amended fairly significantly compared to the one passed by the House. 26 different amendments, some small tinkering with words, but certainly some more substantial, dealing with things like how the bill could be used to regulate user content and an attempt to try to circumscribe that a bit or scope out certain kinds of content, as well as an attempt to restore more independence for the CRTC. Once it passes the Senate, it will head back to the House of Commons. And at this stage, we don't really know what the government will do. It's entirely possible that the government will simply reject most of the amendments and say, that's that. This is what we wanted to pass, and this is what we're going to pass. should be noted that there are some amendments that were included that the government did indicate it supported. But on a number of others, including in particular user content, it did not sound particularly supportive. And so it's entirely possible that once it heads back to the House of Commons, the government may say, no, we're going to continue to insist on the regulatory model that we've put into place and passed earlier in the House. It could, of course, simply say it is time to move on. The Senate hearing was certainly the most comprehensive look at that bill. And the attempt to craft 
compromise language that maintains the government's stated intent for the bill while at the same time trying to address some of the concerns that were raised repeatedly clearly offers the government an out to try to simply move on and leave people a bit happier than they were before. But as I say, the government has yet to tip its hand. There's also Bill C-18, which just as the House of Commons took a break for the holidays, passed through third reading. Now, it will head to the Senate, and I would expect that the month of February, March, and perhaps longer will be spent by the same Senate committee looking at Bill C-18. I'm hoping for a similarly rigorous review. The House of Commons review really left much to be desired. There were many potential experts, stakeholders who were not given the opportunity to speak. And if the Senate adopts the same approach that it did with Bill C-11, this will be an opportunity for many of those voices to be heard. Must admit, though, I am somewhat less optimistic that we'll see some of the more significant changes to this bill, but we'll see where the evidence goes and where that debate in the Senate committee goes. I think for Heritage, though, those two bills are, for them, a little bit in the rearview mirror, still choices to be made to be sure, but not necessarily their top priority for the coming year. It's fairly clear that their top legislative priority for the year will be another piece of legislation and online harms, or they will probably call it an online safety bill. That will, in many ways, I think, be this year's Bill C-11. I'd look for something pretty early in the year. February or March would be my guess. And a bill that looks somewhat similar to what we've seen start to play out in the UK with new liabilities and new responsibilities for the large platforms. A duty to act responsibly, for example, may serve as the, the foundation for this new bill. I think regardless of the choices that are made, it will be extremely contentious and and we should look for considerable debate and hoping for a rigorous review in the House. Although, as I say, we haven't seen that yet uh, from the prior two bills. Lastly, Heritage will also announce a new chair of the CRTC. Candidly, by now, we would have expected an announcement. There was an extension given to Ian Scott, but uh, he has suggested that his term will come to an end when this extension comes to an end. It's possible by the time you listen to this that the government will already have announced someone, uh, but either very late this year or early next, surely someone is going to head the CRTC and that someone will be charged with an enormous amount of responsibility in terms of implementing at some point in time these various legislative measures. Now, secondly, I think the policy showdowns arising out of these bills are going to reveal themselves in even more tangible ways, I think, than they have in the past. I mentioned that the U.S. has begun to express, I think, increasing concern about the digital policy path that we've seen in Canada And that, I think, will only accelerate in the coming year. We will get closer and closer to the implementation of a digital services tax. And I think we can expect the U.S. to continue to make noise around that development. But even more, as C-11 and C-18 start to take shape, I think we can also expect the U.S. to um, increase the volume around its concern about possible discrimination in the bill, possible violations of international treaty obligations, let's say around copyright and C-18, and look either for change or for implementation that takes those into account. 
I also think that we will start to see the companies that are directly implicated by these bills become increasingly aggressive in their response. We've seen a little bit of that with respect to Bill C-18. I think we're going to see a lot more of it in 2023. You know, on C-18, the online news bill, if it does pass in the Senate in the first half of the year, I would expect in the second half of the year, we will see a direct response from the two companies that are the most directly affected, Facebook and Google. Facebook or Meta has already indicated that they would consider blocking news sharing in Canada if this bill passes in its current form. I don't see a lot of reason to think it isn't going to pass in its current form. And I must admit, I don't see a lot of reason to believe that Facebook won't follow through. And so with the parliamentary budget officer estimating that this could cost Facebook $100 million, Google $200 million for nothing more than links, the notion that Facebook would cut a check for $100 million for links to Canadian news stories strikes me as fanciful. I I think that they are far more likely to say that this is an outrageous sum in terms of what the, the industry would like to see happen, that the arbitration process that the government has established in C-18 is really as one-sided as you can get an arbitration process. I mean, the fix is is practically completely in. And so few companies are going to be willing to take a chance on that process. And so they will essentially take the Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez at his word, where Rodriguez, through this bill, essentially tells the platforms that either they pay for links or they choose not to link to news. And a company like Facebook will choose door number two and choose not to link anymore. They'll take a big hit in terms of uh, certainly government criticism and likely criticism from many others. But at the same time, I suspect they will say that uh, they aren't in a position to pay that kind of money for links here, much less the possibility that this kind of legislation gets enacted in other jurisdictions. And suddenly you're talking about paying for links all around the world. As for Google, they've signed many deals with many entities. And if this moves ahead, I would think that they might well walk away from some of those deals saying, what's the reason, what's the point of having commercial agreements if they're being forced into this, but whether or not they would walk away uh, is I think a more challenging issue than Facebook faces, though it's worth noting that in a number of jurisdictions in Spain, in Germany, and frankly, now in some other European jurisdictions, they have begun to shift away from some of their new services in light of some of the legislative reforms. But I don't think it's just, frankly, about Google and Facebook. You know, what if Twitter finds itself in the crosshairs around online safety or online harms? They previously expressed serious concern with what the government had been proposing. They're obviously now a real wild card in terms of the way that company is being run by Elon Musk. How would it respond? How would Netflix respond to a CRTC implementation of Bill C-11 if there was demands for hundreds of millions of dollars in new spending? You know, I think there is a sense that the government may have missed the window when it comes to looking at some of these large internet companies as akin to ATMs with lots of money to be withdrawn. The economics just don't make the same sense that they might have several years ago when those companies might have been willing to cut a check rather than fight. At this point in time, I think it may well be that we'll see real policy showdowns with companies willing to fight uh, or avoid the Canadian market altogether rather than acquiesce to the policy and economic demands that are envisioned through these pieces of legislation. Now, third, 
I think we should keep an eye on what takes place with respect to private members' bills. It's an unusual thing to raise, but we have started to see a real trend where private members' bills address some of the digital policies that aren't otherwise getting attention from the government. And some are starting to really advance through the legislative process. For example, there was a blockchain cryptocurrency bill that was introduced uh, that didn't go very far, but we've seen others that have really advanced. In the Senate, Senator Benville Deshane's bill on age verification uh, has made it through um, committee and is likely to ultimately make its way down to the to the House. And it's a controversial piece of legislation. Some of the same provisions have now made their way into Bill C-11. It's not the sort of thing that I think the government would have expected to have to deal with, yet it now faces the prospect that the bill will be before the House and something will need to be done about it. Uh, There are also copyright-related private members' bills that have also been advancing, at least two, dealing with new exceptions to the anti-circumvention rules, where you've got MPs, in this instance, one conservative, one liberal, who I think tired of waiting for the government to act. It's quite literally been a decade where Industry Canada, or ICED, has had the ability to move forward with specific regulations to deal with notable concerns around any circumvention-related issues, such as the right to repair or interoperability. The failure to actually move forward with that has sparked these private members' bills that are currently a committee in the House, but uh, have seen broad support and could well advance. And in some ways, this represents a potential trend. I mean, we may well see other bills, whether on AI or on some of the wireless-related issues that the government has been very slow to act on, really begin to pick up steam through the private member bill process. Fourth, there are, of course, the ongoing issues with respect to communications, regulation, and services particularly around internet and wireless access. And this includes a whole series of things that I think we're likely to see. There will be an outcome with respect to the Rogers-Shaw merger, both with respect to the hearings that we we just saw take place at the tribunal and then ultimately from the government itself. There's still the possibility of additional ramifications coming out of the Rogers outage. And there will be, as I mentioned uh, a few moments ago, a new CRTC chair that that may take on any number of different issues when it comes to competition and communications-related matters. It's hard, I must admit, to be optimistic here. The government hasn't shown itself to have a stomach for a real battle when it comes to some of these issues. And so we seem generally just to muddle along um, in a way that I think leaves Canadians vulnerable. We saw that with respect to the Rogers outage and leaves them paying high prices at the very time that many can ill afford it. Uh, It is worth noting that in just the last couple of weeks, we have started to see the NDP raising concerns around the profitability of Canada's very profitable wireless communications companies. And so if they continue to zero in on that sector, it's possible that the government will start to feel a bit more pressure and perhaps act. And finally, there's privacy and AI. It's hard to know what to think, frankly, about the bills that are currently before the House, Bill C-27, which includes both reforms to PIPITA, the private sector privacy bill, as well as new AI regulation. There's also Bill C-26, which hasn't received as much attention, uh, but has real implications for privacy, lawful access, and, and, and related concerns. I think on the privacy front, 
government recognizes that there is a need to address the issue, but without obvious political wins, you still find on these kinds of issues, you know, privacy groups, civil liberties groups concerned about the lack of protection, the business community at times concerned about overprotection in their view. And so you're left, if you're a government, oftentimes feeling like there is no political win here. And that, I think, has left us without a real champion for reform within the government. It feels like a government that, at least right now, does not like to make tough calls on these kinds of issues. And privacy reform involves some genuinely hard policy issues that require trade-offs. The current, I said, minister hasn't been actively engaged. He's gone to press conferences announcing the bill, but prioritizing this as a government priority, giving it the time that it needs in the House, sending it to committee and making a real effort to try to address the issue is something that at least to date we haven't seen. And I'm not so sure what we're going to see in the future that is going to spark a, a real change and light a fire under this particular bill. The AI side of the balance sheet, I think, is even more complicated. The The AI section of Bill C-27 has been widely panned and criticized at the precise time that we are starting to see AI services reach into consumer and public consciousness, chat GPT and stable diffusion and a range of other services that have, I think, opened a window to the future of AI and provided a real tangible wake-up call for where we're headed. Uh, the bill that the government has presented as part of C-27 doesn't have a whole lot of answers when it comes to these kinds of issues. It recognizes that there are issues, there are potential harms that can arise. There is a need for some kind of regulatory guardrails around some of these technologies. And yet it punts on most of those issues to regulation, not providing enough specificity to find really almost anyone who is willing to go to bat for this legislation. In fact, the Speaker of the House has ruled that the bringing together of the privacy bills together with the AI bill in a single bill um, really brings together two different issues and that there is the prospect of separate votes for the privacy side of C-27 from the AI side of C-27. And so if we do get to the point, and I suspect we will eventually get to the point of votes on C-27, it seems entirely possible that the privacy side of the ledger will be approved at second reading and go to the House for further review and hearings, whereas C-27's AI portion will go back to the drawing board and will be defeated uh, in the House, and it will be up to the government to address the issue, I think, in a more comprehensive way, probably starting with some serious consultations that I think in the view of many have been missing. So there hasn't been a dull moment, certainly, over the past year when it comes to digital policy. I, like many, am looking forward to a bit of a break. Um, and it certainly looks like in the coming year, in 2023, that isn't about to change. I'll be back in January with more episodes of this podcast, along with regular posts on my blog and my new Substack. Wish everyone a happy holidays. Stay safe and see you in the next year.